Like I said, I have a lot to throw at you this morning. Uh, may the Lord help us. Uh, we're going to go to the Lord here in a sec for the word of prayer, and then we're going to get right into this. So let's, let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for gathering us to together as your people. Thank you for our visitors. Thank you for each and every one that's desiring to hear from you from above. May the Holy Spirit just come and meet with us and in a special way, give unction both to the speaker and to the hearer this morning. May you stir in our hearts, Lord. May you prepare in us uh, a more urgent need to serve Christ, to do more for him in these last days. We pray that, Lord, everything is said and done will bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in whose blessed name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, I got to thinking a lot about this, and I, I, there's, there's a lot of doom and gloom here. I get it. It's ugly. We're going to talk about some ugly stuff this morning. It's not, it's not fun to do this, but I feel like God's pressing me to talk about this stuff, and it's negative. Well, here's what I've learned when we talk about the negative with God. God has a principle that seems to be fixed, that he deals with negative first before he brings forth a positive. So out of this, it's my prayer that while we hear the negative, we get something positive from this. Now, for the last two weeks, we've been talking about watching and praying. It's a command from the Lord to look for His coming because it shapes your life when you're looking for Christ to return. It, it affects your decision-making. It affects your attitude. It affects the way you look at your family, your, your church family, your friends. Everything is impacted if you're looking for Christ. If you're not looking for Him, He's not on your mind. He's not on your thoughts. That's going to impact, impact your life. So, it's a positive here, but there's a lot of negativity surrounding the last days, the end days. It's ugly. Things are not going to get better, folks. I, I, I mean, there's a lot of good things that happen, but if you look at the broad scope of life and the, and the end times, when we talk about an end of a dispensation, it never ends well. When man has enough freedom, he self-destructs. And that's a fact, and we're going to prove some of this this morning, but uh, you know, we've been talking about how man views the world. He sees it in a positive light. He's advancing. He's progressing. He's improving. He's evolving. And God has a very different opinion about that. He sees it the opposite of man. And that's what we're going to prove out this morning as we started last week. And so God uses this negative to produce a positive. If you go to Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 10, don't go there, but he gives, he gives Jeremiah a calling. And he says, you know what he's basically saying? I'm going to have you root out, throw down, destroy, and pull down. Then I'm going to have you build, and I'm going to have you plant. Now think of it in terms of negative, 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 positive, positive. That's how God works. God uses suffering to bring forth holiness. Negative, positive. Salvation is a negative to a positive. You say, how so? You get mad. When God tells you you're a sinner and you didn't know that. Then you get sad because you know you're a sinner, you're broken. Those are two negatives that God's working in. But then you're glad when you finally receive Christ as your Savior. Mad, sad, and glad. That's how God works. So we're going to deal with the negative this morning. The ugliness of what's happening. So you get a profound impact and say, man, I know it's ugly, but I didn't know it was that ugly. I didn't know it was that evil. Yeah, it is. It's more evil than we can even imagine. 
I can only imagine if we could just see what God sees just for a, for a glimpse of how bad thing, how much is going on in the world. It doesn't take long to watch Fox News in 30 minutes and get angry of what's going on because there's so much evil. Sin abounds. Evil is, is progressing and advancing in a way that is profound to all of us. So for three weeks, we've been talking about last days and end times. I have to say this, it's unfortunate, a lot of Christians hear this, hear about this negativity, this doom and gloom, and their response is, well, what are we, we can't do anything about it, so why bother? And so a lot of Christians just give up on God, they give up on their church, they give up on walking with God, they say, it's just so ugly, who cares anymore? It's a who do, I don't care attitude. And they tend to throw their arms up and disgust and just, what, we can't do anything about it. Well, folks, don't buy into that lie for a minute. Could you imagine if Noah, who was in the midst of evil, profound evil, deep violence covered the earth, everybody was in sin, and every imagination was, was on evil. Imagine if Noah said, I don't want anything to do with it, I'm done. Throw in the hammer, quit building the ark, and just quit on God. Now, we know he didn't, but think of it that way. Sometimes Christians do that because they hear about all this, and it gives them an excuse to not do something for God. It just gives them that excuse. Don't be one of those. We should be watching and praying like Christ commanded. Complacency has no place in the Christian life. Zero. If you remember, if I remember right, the darker the night gets, the brighter the stars shine. So if anything is reflected in Christian life, as it gets darker, and it will get darker, then you and I, as, as God's people, the light of the world should shine brighter. Not less, but more. If we truly believe we're living in the last days, and we believe that, and that these are the end times, and we believe that, and the world is growing darker, and evil's accelerating, and don't you think that should motivate us to do more for God? Say, man, I, now that I see this, I want to finish well for God because I don't know when He's coming back, but I know He's coming back soon. So it should motivate us in, instead of cause us to be complacent. Now, it's hard to argue against the fact that the world is getting uglier with more evil, more sin. It abounds more than any other previous generation, at least post-flood. I can't, I can't give you all the... Because we don't know much pre-flood in regards to how big the population was and what all that was going on. But we know things are getting worse. We know it, but we don't want to accept it sometimes. We, we try to look at the positive. I get it. But sometimes we need to look at this negative and realize we better get busy for the Lord. And be re That's why Jesus said, watch and pray. But many Christians are going, oh. like Peter, could you not watch for me for an hour? He said to Peter. I mean, Peter was like, oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to die for you. He couldn't even stay awake. There's nothing new under the sun. Evil's always been around. It's got the same face. It's just as ugly as it was 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years, as it is today. The difference today is evil and sin, and the frequency and the intensity of it is accelerating. Which means it's not going to get better. I'm going to try to prove this to you this morning, biblically, and with some, what I would call, sanctified logic. And you, you'll have to bear with me. There's a lot I'm going to throw at you. So let's look at this biblically. All right, first slide. There's nothing new under the sun. 
Now this is the Tower of Babel. This is a time when God came down and He noticed something with the people. He said, one, the people is one. That's really important. You have to keep that thought in your mind right now because it's going to be important for what we talk about later. The people is one, and they have what? One language. Now that's not always been true, but in that time, God said, "Uh uh-oh, if we let them continue to do what they do as one people with one language, there will be nothing to stop them. Of course, God can stop them, and he did. He confounded their with confusion of languages, and he dispersed them throughout the world. That's how he took care of it. But nothing will be restrained from them, which they, what, imagined to do. Now remember, there's nothing new under the sun. This will repeat itself and is currently present day repeating itself. The world is more one today than ever before, maybe at least post-flood. But certainly the world was together as one pre-flood. But here we see what God had to do before man self-destructed. We read in Hosea 4.7, As they were increased, so they sinned against me. As the pool or the population grows and they become more one, they sin more against God. That's exactly what we're seeing today. So, I've got this crazy little busy chart here that hopefully you guys can see. It's not the best. It's my handwriting. It's better than me standing up here doing this now. How many can see that? Raise your hands all the way in the back. Some of you, it's not the best. Unfortunately, I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through this. Let me see if I can take this back a little bit. Folks, can you see it? Okay. Real simple chart here. Remember, we're talking about the people's one. They all have one language. Nothing will be restrained from them what to do. And the more they increased, the more they sinned. That tells me sin is always around. Evil's all around, but, but it can increase with intensity and frequency. So in 1 AD, when Christ was born, there was about 170 million people based on estimates on the earth. Okay? For the most part, society, the world itself, was fragmented. It was disconnected. The flow of information was very slow. The knowledge of the common people was very limited. What they read in a a lifetime, you read in a day. A day. That's true 100 years ago. What you read in a day, they read a lifetime 100 years ago. That's how fast things have changed. But back then, so sin was around, evil was around, but it didn't spread like it does today. It's the frequency, the intensity of it has changed. Why? Two things. One, the population has exploded. So from 170 million, you look from 480 to 1880, we went from, it was actually 260 million to to, uh, first a billion. So it took 1,400 years to grow a billion, or to grow almost 760 million people. It takes less than 10 years now to grow 800 million people. The explosion, the population growth, yes, it has slowed compared to the 60s and the 70s, but it's still exploding. The eighth billionth child was born. There's a debate on whether it was last November or this year. It doesn't matter to me. There's 8 billion people on the face of the earth based on all the stats. 
what that tells me is the pool of sinners has grown exponentially. And so has their exclusionary life for God. Brother Harold Vaughn said he was bored and on vacation in Canada. And he was, he thought, well, I'll just go do a survey. Now, not many people would go out and do a survey, knock on doors when they're vacationing. But Harold Vaughn did. And he wanted to know how many people knew the commandments of God, the Ten Commandments. And this is a mixed race from all over the world, from Asians to French to Iranian, you name it. They live up there. Of all the doors he knocked on, no one knew about the Ten Commandments. Except for two, and one of them said something about murder in there. So we have basically a population throughout the world that has excluded God and doesn't know God. You tell me as a pool of sinners, where are they headed toward? Forget about the, the eternal part, but currently, presently, without God, to help them in their sin and to overcome it, what do you think is going to happen to sin? It's going to, it's going to spread like fire. It's going to be worse than ever. because They have nothing to restrain them. No Bible knowledge, no God, no morals, no principles of, of the truth of God. All they have is their sin nature, and their sin nature affects the next sin nature. As the old saying goes, birds of a feather flock together. So here they're fragmented. The world was spread out. You know, to, you know what this person was doing in China, that person in, in Europe had no idea what they were doing. Now, they had their pool of sinners, but the influence and the intensity of it was not there. I didn't say that wasn't sin or evil. But now you build a bigger pool of sinners, and you connect them. That's the key. One people, one language. Today, we are one people, even though we're different races, all over the world, we're connected via what? Technology. I'll give you examples of that. The world today is connected. Communications, they say instant. It's lightning fast. Accessibility, limitless. Whatever you want, wherever you want to look, find, it's there for you to find. And that's where artificial intelligence is going to play a big role in the future because artificial intelligence has more ability to connect what you don't. And so it'll be able to be smarter, faster than any human. And I'll prove that out as we go through that. And that is about accessibility. Now you got availability. It's, it's everywhere. And the influence of all this is more powerful than it's ever been. That's the difference when the people is one and they have one language. They may speak Chinese and English and may not know it, but the, the computers, the technology puts them together. And the world is growing in and it's hatred for God and the people, there's nothing that will stop them to do. And God is going to give them what they want. The tribulation period is the time of the Antichrist who rises up, this world leader who solves some of the world's complex problems, and the world buys into all the signs and the wonders and, and, the, and the wisdom of this individual who's coupled with the kingdoms of the earth, and the people will fall for it. Because they'll all be one with him. Now, there'll be a multitude which mo no man can number. That'll get saved. So great revival takes place in the midst of darkness. 
So what I'm telling you is what we see today is a microcosm of what is coming. The world is preparing like no other time in history. So you say, are we in the last days? You tell me. Are we literally, are we unfolding what exactly God said would happen? The people is one, they have one language, the pool of sinners and the exclusionary of God and pretty much the, the life of people. What gives us an opportunity to let people know about Christ. This is why it's important for us to be that testimony and that witness. Now, that's, that's point number one. And I had a couple comments here that mankind is advancing economically, yes, socially, politically, technologically, but it's without God. So we say all these things, are, we, it's amazing what we have. It's, there's a lot of things that are positive, but there's a lot more negative about it. It's hurting us more than it's helping us. We just don't realize it. And so the world is more connected now than any time in history. And I'll put an asterisk there from what I basically understand, at least post-flood. So the world might have been more connected in uh, pre-flood before, before God destroyed the world with water. So the second point here regarding this, this advancing, this uh, intensity this frequency of sin and the abounding and lawlessness growing and it's getting darker. How's that for positive preaching? But God brings a positive out of that because that ought to put you on your knees looking for Him, depending on Him, needing Him. You know, the Bible said, while well, I said Noah didn't throw in the, the hammer, the Bible says he was moved with fear. Hebrews chapter 11, moved with fear for the saving of his house and the preparing of the ark. That's exactly what happens when you look around you. You ought to be moved with fear. Fear is a good thing when it's a negative turning into a positive because it turns you closer to God. So as the days of Noah were, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So as we get into the last days, we ought to see... Uh, a resemblance of what happened in the days of Noah to, to what's happening today. Now, this is the second part of this sanctified logic with some biblical truths. God saw, now there were two things that really are evident in the days of Noah. Anybody know what the first one is? Violence. There was violence covered the earth. Now, can you say that about today? Did you know in the 2020 election there were 570 major riots in the United States alone? Many are staged actors. Doesn't matter. They fire up the troops, so to speak. 570. Do you know that they literally destroyed cities, parts of cities throughout the country? Burned them. And they're still doing it in some places like Portland. But reality is, most of those people never got a slap on the hand. What are we doing? We're protecting the criminals now as opposed to the victims because violence covers the earth. It's not just here, it's India. If you're a Christian professing Christ in India, good luck. They're coming after you. In China, I, know, I, know, I can't tell you how many Christians I know personally who have been arrested over there. They're watching every move they make. That'll be part of our artificial intelligence uh, conversation. Every step they make, they know. They're watching. And you go to Russia. You think those people live a good life? 
I mean, you just go down the line. As it was in the day of Noah, the violence and, and the control. But here's what's interesting in the second part. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And here it is. Every imagination of the thought, what? Of the heart was only evil continually. Now I'm going to try to explain this the best I can. There's two parts of that. There's two ways to have evil in your, in your thought process. One is your, you intend to just have evil. You dwell on it, you think about it, that's what you want. And what happens, you totally exclude God. You want nothing to do with God. And when God's not in your thoughts, then you're on evil continually. Why? Because sin is really, by definition, independence from God. Follow that? Independence from God. You know what faith is? Dependence on God. So if I have an independent thought life, independent from God, my thoughts are on evil continually. Whether they're good, happy thoughts or not, they're still evil. Does that make sense? Number two, or the other part was your intent, you just don't want God. And there's clearly a, an agenda out there with a lot of people. They don't want God. So every imagination of the thoughts is hard. Do you think that's happening today? Okay. Let me, let me share some, some, some thoughts with you, just for a minute. I, this is really what I'm about to say has had an impact on me. And I've been trying to be very careful of what I access, what I consume in life. So please hear me out. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. Because that says their thoughts were on evil continually. Now you could say, that wouldn't be me. I'd never do that. Be careful. I think it's happening everywhere with Christians. Say, whoa, Christians are guilty of that? You better believe it. Let me explain. We have more data, more knowledge, and access to information at our fingertips than any other time in history. As I said earlier, what we consume in a day of information, they consumed in a lifetime 100 years ago. 100 years, and we do it in one day. Every day of our life. Is all that information, all that knowledge and accessibility helping or hurting us? Well, it depends on how you, what you take in, right? Uh, is it causing us to draw closer to God, or is it pushing us away from God? 20 years ago, as a, a student of Scripture and preparing for Sunday schools, I had a Bible, I had a Young's Concordance, and I had a few study guides, commentary. Today, I have... That and thousand more pieces of information accessible to me at an instant. I could look up a word in Strong's Concordant. I press the word in and boom, I have all the information right there in my fingertips. You all know that. You do it all the time. Information is amazing. That's a positive. That's helpful to me. That proves my productivity, my time. I, I, I'm saying that's a positive. But there's a risk with that because all that information that I have accepted available to me and accessible to me can eventually consume me. This is where I'm going with this. My thought life can be consumed with things that don't mean anything. Now I'm going to probably offend some people here, not on purpose. But we get consumed with the stupidest, most unprofitable things we ever could imagine. And we're filling our minds and our hearts continually with this earthly, carnal-minded stuff instead of the things of God. 
I got one amen. Praise the Lord. Listen to what I'm about to say. The access of information comes with great risk because now the information I have that's coming at me can potentially cause me to be consumed with it instead of the spiritual things. And then my mind takes in all that earthly carnal knowledge and information and it pushes God out. And eventually, all I focus on is the things that are fascinating and interesting and, and keep me going. And God's over here on the sidelines and I'll pull God into my thought process now and then. So when let me give you an example. The other day somebody sent me a, a podcast on the Clintons. So, I know they meant it was good intent. You could spend months chasing that conspiracy. Whether it's true or not, that's not what I'm here to debate. But here's what I'm going to present. It was a podcast to prove the Clintons are evil, which isn't really hard to take a podcast for that, okay? But the Clintons are evil, and there's a trail of blood with them everywhere they go. And you could spend enormous amount of time on that. And the question I ask, what if I consumed myself with that information and it got to the point where I get it, and now I can talk about it? Is that helping my growth in Christ? Is that making me more spiritually minded? Is that making me a better testimony to the world? I start talking about Clintons instead of Christ. Where does that, where does that put people? You see where my thoughts are going? Now, take that. There are millions of those examples every day coming at you and I, and especially the younger generation, coming in at a speed of light through Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Internet, Google searches. They can't get off it. I mean, the governments, 25 governments are suing Meta right now, Facebook, for causing children to be addicted. Children to be addicted. They know what they're doing. And so they're consuming just like those podcasts. Now you add to that the more mature audience. News. Hmm. News. Trivia. The other day I was like, I was interested in one of the receivers that I used to follow. And all I did was driving home. Hey Siri, what does Odell Beckham play? Who is he playing for now and how much does he make? Instant information. Got it right there. Oh, yeah, okay. That's how quick it was. In fact, they wouldn't give me the salary. They said I had to go home and read it. I don't know why. Just, but that just shows you how much information that's useless comes at us or we can access. And, and so when you add to that news, trivia, sports, entertainment, oh, my. Don't even get me started. That You take all that, and it's coming at us, and we're letting it happen. We're feeding ourselves, and guess where God is? Every imaginative the thought to the heart, we're not doing it on purpose. We just don't know what's happening to us. Especially a younger generation. Woo! It's, it's, getting, it's getting worse. And so, you say, what does that all mean? That consumption of carnal, earthly knowledge is keeping us from the spiritual and the heavenly knowledge. And doing something for God. It's amazing what it's doing to the church and to Christians all over. Forget about the unregenerate. Oh man, that's a different story. It's a thought life excluding God. Now I read about Genesis 5.5. 5, I read in Romans 1. 
even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. That's the ultimate of what happens. The more we consume those things that are not of God, the more we will not retain God in our knowledge. Now, some of you are looking at me like, either you're with me or you're like, you're really upsetting me today. Thank you. I got another with. I know you're with. But I think this is heavy. I told you. This is negative. Why? To stop messing around with all the earthly knowledge that we have access to and start messing around with what God has given us. That's what the positive is. It's the only way you'll finish well or you'll get consumed with what this group is and the indoctrination that's happening across the world. So with that, let me move to the next topic here in this same category is the biblical worldview of God, how God sees it. Born again, regenerated believers view the world. This is how we view it, God's perspective. This is a dream from Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel interprets it. The dream is of this image, and the, and the image is found in Daniel 2, 31 through 35. Notice the image starts with gold and it progresses down to the feet, which are made of iron and clay. Now, two things. This is how God views the kingdoms and the earth. This is, this is very clear about what God thinks. There's nothing improving on that image. Two things. One, there's a decline in material importance from gold to clay. That's how God sees it. The second piece is these are the kingdoms of the world. There's a decline in features. The head, more important, to the toes. Not that the toes aren't important, but less important than the head. You can live without toes, but you can't live without your head. So from the head to the toes, that's how God sees the kingdoms of this world ending. The last ten toes are the last ten kingdoms on this earth. Now, in fact, the Bible says if I were to and read in, we talked about people's one, we talked about the languages one. Listen to Psalm 1 or Psalm 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Let us break their bands asunder and cast their cords away from us, which is what they're trying to do today. And he said, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. And we read in Revelation that the ten kings come together. They support the, the Antichrist. And then literally God's going to bring forth judgment like nobody's business. So we see that's how it ends with the ten toes. But again, God sees a decline. This is the second law of thermodynamics that we talked about. That there's a gradual decline in disorder and chaos. Because when you don't have God, you're left to chaos. Now the world doesn't see it that way. They think, they think what they're doing is progressing. Do you know the whole gender identification movement is an ideology that thinks that man has to step up and improve and that the way to do that is to get to the point where we don't know what men and females are anymore? This is an attack on God. This has always been an attack on God. It's just a different way, shape, and form. So, the stone represents Christ. He comes back, he destroys those ten kingdoms, sets up his own kingdom. So that's how God views things. Now I'm going to 
try to close out, unfortunately, with a few thoughts about is America advancing, progressing, and improving? Okay. I love America, so when I say, talk about these things, I have a great appreciation for this country, for those that fought and died, gave us the freedom to meet today, to be able to have this freedom and the protections. Still, America is a great country in that sense. But America is declining spiritually faster than any other time. And when we look at, and man says, look at how far we've gone. Look at what we, we're doing and accomplishing. Let's look at it logically. Economically, are we aggress pr progressing? I told you last week, America now is approaching $34 trillion in debt. The next six months, the feds are going to borrow, issue T-bills and bonds for $1.6 trillion to fund our government just in the next six months. The debt on the, on the loan itself is approaching $800 billion. It'll be over a trillion next year, which is more than the military budget. folks. We're just one step away from an economic collapse. You say, how so? Just read about the Silicon Valley Bank that happened five months ago and took two other regionals with them. It took less than six hours to change the economic system in our country. Just six hours. How so? That bank got a run on it digitally. News got out around the world. They, they're, they're failing in their bond payments. They're going to have to borrow money. It caused a panic because people put information out there, and people panicked, and they withdrew in six hours, $42 billion. The bank collapsed, and then two other banks fell with it, and the, and the U.S. federal government, once again, steps in to save them because if they don't save them, you and I are going to be in poverty. The, the system will collapse. That's how close we were. That's what I'm saying is we're already there bankrupt. All it takes is one catastrophic event to change the world overnight. Now, God has protected us and not allowed that to happen, but we're kidding ourselves, thinking things are improving. I don't know about you, but if I take a loan out for a million dollars and I got massive debt on that, the last thing I'm going to be able to do is get a loan on the debt. But we do it all day long. It's, it's total uncommon sense. So morally, would you say 50 years ago we were more, more moral? Yes. There was respect for elders. Men knew who men were. Women knew who women were. Right? We, we had authority, respect for authority. We had discipline. There were a lot of things I could go through from a moral standpoint that America was influenced by Judeo-Christianity itself. Can we say that about today? We're as morally corrupt as we've ever been. The doctrine of relativism is what's prevailing today. This is why we're so frustrated when we watch Fox News. Because everything you're watching is about relativism. There is no more authority. I say this. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That means His truth is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But relativism says God changes based on culture. Or relativism teaches there is no God. Your truth is what present tense is, whatever you want it to be. And so the doctrine is knowledge, truth, and morality exist in rel relation to culture. So the ungenerate man believes there are no absolutes. This is why we have gender identification. Because 
It's what you feel. Well, I feel like a woman today. And I'm not making fun of these people. But this is becoming a much bigger issue than I ever thought. Like, I thought, this is a small you know, sample of the population. It's not. It's bigger than you think in schools. It's unbelievable when I talk to teachers. How many kids are struggling with who they are? Indoctrination makes them think, wow, I, I don't know. Maybe I am a female or maybe I'm a male. Maybe I'm a cat. That's, there's 200 of these identifications. You say, where does that come from? Relativism. And it's causing corruption like nobody's business. Here's what I'll finish on because I have a few more comments that I thought were important, but I'll wait. Pilate stood before Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, the very God who created him, and he said to Pilate, what is truth? Or Pilate said to him, what is truth? That's what we're saying today. What is truth? Well, truth is what you want it to be. It's your opinion. It's what you experience. And, well, the Bible knows when there's no king in the land, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So, God help us to keep our eyes up, despite the darkness and the gloominess and the ugliness and the wickedness. May God's people in this dark time be looking for the Savior. Makes you want to say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. With that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for these just few precious moments that we've been given to talk about the things of God. May they help us. If there's something that's been said that's not helpful, may it just fall to the ground, Lord. We know that you know how to sort all this out. Help us stir in our hearts that we'll be a people that are watching and waiting patiently and fervently with the urgency, Lord, and a testimony and a witness for Jesus Christ. God, help us, Lord, in these dark times to be a light for Jesus Christ. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.